0: The following is a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society. Hi there, friend. Today on Grace in Focus, we're going to talk about Romans 8.1 and Romans 8.4. Why are the exact same seven Greek words found in both verses? And what does the word that's translated condemnation mean in these verses? I hope you'll stay tuned for this question and answer session coming right up. Our website, faithalone.org, has a lot of things you might be interested in, especially our free subscription to the Grace in Focus magazine, and you'll find some of the upcoming events we have planned. Now, today's discussion with Bob Wilkin and Ken Yates.
1: Welcome back to Grace in Focus. Ken is again with me. And Ken, you you got another question, huh? Yes, this one is from
2: Rick, and he has a question about Romans chapter eight, verses one and four. The question, even though it's not worded in the question, involves a textual problem. And he says, Why would the same seven Greek words be found both in Romans 8 1 and in Romans 8 4? In his opinion, that does not make sense. Why would Paul repeat himself?
1: Okay, the eight Greek words are me, kata, sarka, para, Kata Numa, and that means who are not walking according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And those exact seven words are in 8. one and 8.4 in the majority text. Now, there's two things, Ken, we need to talk about here. Those words, but we also need to talk about the word katakrima. And what it means. Most translations say there is therefore now no condemnation. And they understand katakrema as condemnation. But there's an argument, and I think a fantastic argument, that that does not refer... condemnation but to slavery to sin or it's sometimes called penal servitude
2: that you have to serve sin you have to
1: serve sin and remember in Romans 6 Paul talks about that You used to be slaves of sin now you're slaves of righteousness that's in position but in order to be slaves of righteousness in our experience we need to reckon ourselves dead to sin and alive to God
2: So in the death and resurrection of the Lord, the believer has been set free from having to serve sin, from the power of sin. That's right. Yeah.
1: And the question is, is Romans 8 1 saying there is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus? So it's basically saying if you're in Christ, you're never going to be condemned. Is that what it's saying? Or is he saying there is therefore now no slavery to sin? For those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to flesh, but who walk according to spirit. Well, it seems to me that what Rick is saying is that it must clearly be the former. That is, that what he's saying is there's no condemnation for those in Christ, because otherwise you'd have a needless repetition of these same seven Greek words, right?
2: That's what he's saying. He says, why would Paul repeat himself? Yeah.
1: So let me suggest, let me suggest... That katakrima is very important. If I tell you that penal servitude is very important in the argument of Romans 5 through 8, and I say it five times on this broadcast, it doesn't mean I didn't say it five times. What it means is I said it more than once because I wanted to emphasize it. And it seems to me Paul can do this as a sort of bookends. That's called an occlusio, oftentimes, where you would repeat something. And by the way, it's not uncommon in Scripture to have words or phrases repeated. For example, in Psalm 136, the expression, for his mercy endures forever, occurs 26 times. Over and over again in every verse. Right. There are actually two Psalms, Psalm 14 and Psalm 53, that are almost identical, except for a little bit at the very end. And that's okay, too. If the Lord wishes to include in the Psalter the same psalm twice, well, then that must be important enough to put it in there twice. In Romans 8.1 and Romans 8.4, it makes perfect sense that what Paul is saying is, if a believer walks according to the flesh, well, then he's experiencing slavery to sin. He already said that in Romans 6. He also said it in the second half of Romans 7, right?
2: Yeah, I would say, by the way, yes, in Romans, I know that most people take Romans 8.1 to be talking about heaven and hell. Right. right. And that's because of the influence of the critical text. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So all believers, thats true for all believers. Uh, and as Bob made a great point here, the question is, is he's talking about something that's true for all believers or is he talking about those who walk according to the flesh or according to the spirit? Right. And therefore they're not serving sin anymore. But chapters 5, 6, 7, and 8 are all talking about Christian living. Right. And in Romans 8, Paul's really going to get into walking by the Spirit and uh, suffering for Christ. Well, here's the question Do all believers walk by the Spirit and do all believers suffer for Christ? No. So if Romans 8.1 is talking about once saved, always saved, that's really out of context.
1: Right. You would expect that in Romans 3.21 to 4.25.
2: Right. When he's talking about justification by right. faith.
1: And by the way, I think Hodges in his commentary on Romans has a little bit to say about the majority text reading. Is that right?
2: Yeah. He says the vast majority of Greek manuscripts support the longer reading, which is these seven Greek words. And so does the context In verse 4, the idea of walking not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit is repeated. Uh, Paul's making his point here, is Hodges' point. Now, in Hodges' commentary on Romans, John Niemela has a footnote on this context as well. And what he's talking about is not only the context after verse 1 is talking about walking toward the Spirit, but the context before, because chapter 7 ends with Paul's struggle, who's gonna deliver me from this body of death? Paul's talking as a believer.
1: So it would make more sense if the very next verse after Romans seven, thirteen to twenty-five, is I'm being delivered, there's no slavery to sin for those who are in Christ Jesus who walk according to the spirit, not according to the flesh. In other words, it's Jesus through the work of the Spirit that delivers the believer who's walking in the Spirit.
2: Yes, in Romans 7, that's the famous passage where Paul's saying, the things that I don't want to do, that's what I'm, I'm do. doing. That's and the right. things I want to do, I don't do. Who's going to deliver me from this? Who's going? To... And he's not talking as an unbeliever. He's talking as a believer.
1: You know? Right. In fact, he's saying this was his early experience in the Christian faith, evidently, He started out well, and then somebody pointed him to the law and said, you need to focus on the law. And when he did, he says in the second half of Romans 7, as I focused on the law, instead of it producing holiness, it produced sin. What he found is in order to experience the righteousness of God in his experience, he had to focus on Christ, not the law. He had to fall more in love with Jesus, not more in love with the law.
2: Right. The question at the end of chapter 7 is, who is going to deliver me? Therefore, starting in verse 1, here's the answer.
1: Well, and look in verses 3 and 4. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son, in the likeness of sinful flesh, on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Notice this, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Would it be inappropriate in Romans 8 to say that Paul thought it was important that we walk according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh?
2: Yeah, that's the point of Romans chapter 8. Those who are led by the Spirit are the mature sons of God. The, this is what Paul has been moving towards ever since chapter 5. And and I think it's safe to say that pretty much everybody sees 5, 6, 7, and 8 as a unit.
1: Oh, yeah. I it's mean, the sanctification section of the book, and they see Romans 9 to 11 dealing with Israel, right. and then 12 to 16 with a concluding applicational section. 321 to 425 is viewed as the justification section, followed by the sanctification section in 5 through 8, and chapter eight is the culmination of this sanctification section.
2: And one way to say this is what these chapters are dealing with five, six, seven, and eight is how do I live the Christian life? Right. That's the point. I live it by the power of the Spirit. I don't live it by living according to the law. I don't which is living according to the flesh.
1: And by the way, that's what we see in Galatians chapter five. The same walking according to the spirit and walking according to the flesh. And we see in Galatians five, walking according to the flesh is walking legalistically.
2: Right. So when Paul asks the question, Who's going to deliver me? He says it in eight one, right after that, and then he repeats himself in eight four because it's so important.
1: And I think Rick's been influenced by some preacher who says it really doesn't make sense. In fact, what he seems to think is that a scribe was transcribing Romans 8. He was getting to Romans 8.1, and he got down to the end of Romans 8.1, and he decided it didn't have enough words in it. So the guy looked down at verse 4 and said, I think it'd be nice to add these seven words up here. <laughs> And then, uh, in his view, later people kept copying that, and so this became part of the text. Well, that really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. The copyists were very careful to copy the text they had before them. This was their job. And on top of that, the copyists were people who believed the Christian message. And so they didn't want to promote man's words. They wanted to promote God's words. If you're an individual scribe translating a manuscript in front of you, you're going to put it down word for word, right? You come to two, three, four, even if he later decided, you know what it'd be neat if these seven words at the end of verse four were at the end of verse one it's too late he's already copied eight one, eight, two, eight, three, and eight four.
2: The most important thing for me is most of the book of Romans is dealing with Christian living, and yep. part of the problem we run into is most people think, well, the Roman road is talking about how to go to heaven it's and, not and, and it's not, and certainly not Romans eight.
1: I have an article at faithalone.org called, The Romans Road Ends in a Cul-de-sac. <laughs> Once you get your 18-wheeler down there in the cul-de-sac, you can't turn it around because it doesn't really make sense. People misuse Romans 10, 9, and 10. People misuse many verses in Romans, and one of the verses they misuse is Romans
2: 8.1. I was speaking at a church in Florida. And I was speaking on this verse, and a man who'd been in the church his whole life came up, and he goes, I always thought Romans 8, 1 was talking about how to go to heaven.
1: Wow. Yeah. Well, thank you all, and keep grace in focus.
0: Thank you guys for that great discussion. Are you interested in finding other free grace believers just like yourself in your area? Well, you can do that by going to our website, faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. On our website, we have a church tracker. It's an easy to use map that will help you locate those other Free Grace churches that might be in your area. So come visit us at the website and take advantage of our free church tracker. It's at faithalone.org. That's faithalone.org. There are a lot of costs involved in staying on the air. That's why we so much appreciate our financial partners. If you'd like to learn how to become one, you can find out more by going to faithalone.org. We would love to hear from you. Maybe you've got a question, comment, or some feedback. If you do, please don't hesitate to send us a message. Here's our email address. It's radio at faithalone.org. That's radio at faithalone.org. Next time on Grace and Focus, Who or What Missions... Should a free grace person support? That's next time on Grace in Focus. I hope you'll join us. This is the Grace Evangelical Society. Until next time, let's keep grace in focus. The proceeding has been a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society.